This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue. We also have the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny, and we have a Symphony Lab newbie, that is Kalindi Bellach, who is box office manager and program annotator. And last, but certainly not least by any means, joining us by phone is a TSO favorite, the wonderful conductor Giordano Bellincampi. Welcome, everybody. Great Hi. to be here. Giordano, where, where are we talking to you from right now? I, I mean, right we're now, in Toledo, but where are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now, I'm at, I'm at home in Copenhagen, Denmark. Ah, how's the weather in Copenhagen? Oh, it's nice spring and uh, quite quite sunny today. So it's it's beautiful actually. Yeah. Uh, well, it's you know it's that time of year, starting to ease our way into spring. So hopefully it'll be nice when you come here, which you are doing this weekend to uh, conduct the Toledo Symphony. This is a concert that includes the famous Scottish Symphony of Felix Mendelssohn. Also, the uh, Overture to Medea, an interesting opera by Luigi Cherubini. And the piano concerto number one of Ludwig van Beethoven, and you are joining with uh, the wonderful pianist Leonardo Colafelice, who has—he's been here before, right? He has. Yeah. Can Can you start by maybe telling us a little bit about your collaboration with uh, Colafelice, because I know that you've worked together a few times in the past. Yes. Well, I I met Leonardo the first time some some years back in Milano. He's a He's still a very, very young and wonderful, talented musician. But at that time, he was even younger, like we all were, of course. <laughs> and uh, I, I have to say, I was uh, astonished not not only by his mastership, technical and virtuosistic uh, on the piano, which we can meet with, uh, with with many musicians these days. There are a lot of really, really talented and good musicians, but also his maturity in phrasing and shaping the music and the way he interacted with the orchestra. So we worked really well together during that period in Milano, and then uh, we have been working together in many other orchestras since, and amongst those also once before in Toledo. And I'm so thrilled that we will be back with the uh, with the Beethoven Concerto, it is it's a wonderful piece, the C major Concerto, and uh, I'm sure that uh, people, even if they have heard the Concerto many times before, they will truly enjoy it. And if they haven't, it will be a great way of introduce the new audiences to this masterpiece by Beethoven. Well, you know, Beethoven wrote. Uh, five piano concertos, basically. People are probably most familiar with the the last one, the Emperor Concerto. And this is yes. the first one, and, and I think it's kind of an undiscovered masterpiece for a lot of audiences. What, what can you tell us about this particular uh, concerto, his first, you know, entry into the genre, as it were? Yes, although although it's actually practically not not really number one because number two was actually written before, but but uh, it is uh, it is a very classical concerto, very uh, inspired, of course, by the music. Of Mozart, particularly, but uh, shows Beethoven at his best, his creativity with his favorite uh, instrument, the piano, and the interaction with the orchestra. Beautiful way of uh, within the classical form and the, the strict rules that are within the classical form of exploring all of that. 
and uh, I think it's, it's extremely uh, honest piece of music. It really comes straight from the heart, although it is a composer who always also uses his intellect. So it is indeed a great piece. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite movement? Because I've got them lined up here, and I want to play just a little excerpt. Um, oh, yeah. Well, well, definitely not. second movement is incredibly beautiful. I, I always enjoy that, and also the interaction with the woodwinds, the way that he uses the clarinets and the strings. I have to mention that this is not the Toledo Symphony. It's not Leonardo Colafelice. It's not Giordano Bellincampi. I actually I don't know who this is, but it will give a little bit of a <laughs> give us a little bit of a, a taste. Now you can sort of hear a little foreshadowing of Beethoven's emotive ability. In, in this concerto, it goes just a step beyond the second movements of Mozart concertos. When but it actually this. does sound a little bit like a Mozart aria from one of his late operatic yeah. aria. It does? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you want to expound on that, Merwin? No, I don't think so. I think, <laughs> I think, I think at this point, I'm, you know, I would be speaking to people who have significantly more um, expertise in um, yeah. Mozart arias than I do, but I ju- it just strikes me a little bit like... Maybe, maybe it has that kind of singing lyrical quality, and it reminds me of Mozart's woodwind writing as well. Well, it's interesting because almost everything Mozart wrote is like an opera aria. You know, he was really he was thinking opera the whole time. And Beethoven, I don't know, I, I don't always hear that operatic quality to it, but I do hear the Mozartian influence in this. What do, what do you make of that, Giordano? The opera uh, connection well, to uh, Beethoven's well, music. So, well, what, what, what is opera? And this is, of course, really relevant when we speak of the inspiration that uh, Beethoven found uh, with Cherubini. And this is why we have, we have paired uh, this concerto with, uh, with, with the, the overture of, uh, for, for Medea by Cherubini. Ah, so you did that so, on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely on purpose. So yeah. he, uh, Beethoven was uh, highly inspired by the... Uh, the dramaturgical, the dramatic sense of a composer like Cherubini, yeah. not so much in in the sense sense of the of the um, of, of the drama understood as modern theater as we see it today, but if we look at it from from the perspective of the of of the late eighteenth uh, uh, century and the beginning of the nineteenth century, and it's the way of, of building big uh, arches of of speech or music within the music and uh, and that is that is what interests Beethoven so in that sense I completely agree it is very operatic but of course in a completely different way than what we understand today after having heard uh, Wagner and and Verdi and Puccini yeah well that's true we have to put it in context as I understand it uh Beethoven thought that Cherubini was the world's second best composer, right? Yeah. So you can guess who was the first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting that you have uh, that that overture from that opera on this program. You know, the the opera Medea itself sort of came back into the spotlight with uh, Maria Callas and her great portrayal of that. But well, that's one of my favorite yeah. operatic recordings. Oh, it's just stunning. For people who don't even who who don't know it at all, can you paint a little picture of this this uh, Medea of this overture that we're going to begin the program with? 
Yes, so, so the opera is, of course, very, uh, very dramatic. It's a terrible story about the mother who kills their, her own children. And the, the, the drama, the drama itself is very strong, which we also hear in this overture, uh, starts right away with huge dramatic uh, movements. It has beautiful song lines, cantabile lines, truly Italian in the way, but also this grandness, uh, big scale, which is so typical for uh, the French uh, opera comique, which, which, it, which it was originally. So it kind of contains many, many of the aspects of, um, uh, of, 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 of the opera history here in the late 18th century. Yeah. We should mention that opera comique does not mean that it's a comedy, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! It's <laughs> definitely not. It's 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 a way. It's a it's a structure, the structure of an opera which is which is different from the Italian opera seria with the with the recitativi with the with the with the harpsichord or the hammer clavier, whatever they used at the time. Right. Let's pivot back to uh, you and uh, Leonardo Colafelici. I, c- I can't remember what it was that you did last time in Toledo. Can you refresh my memory? Oh, actually, actually yeah. I remember vividly sitting in the audience um, watching the Prokofiev. That yeah, was I, Prokofiev. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what. Um, yeah. Uh, and Leonardo's fingers were just like flying, <laughs> and it was it was exciting to watch him perform on the piano. And of course, the orchestra sounded great, and Giordano just you know tied everything together. Now, did you have the TSO and HD cameras on his fingers at that time? Uh, I I don't remember that. I do remember uh, the TSO and HD cameras on Giordano. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I watched that the whole time. <laughs> You know, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious, Giordano. Do, does having the camera on you, like maybe showing the your face and what you're doing, that the audience doesn't normally see? I mean, does, are you conscious of that while you're conducting here in Toledo? Uh, so let, let me be completely honest. I, I try not to be conscious on that because um, it is actually a little bit scary uh, to see myself. Uh, blown up in that <laughs> on the side of, of the stage and um, uh, also sometimes there's just a fraction of delay due to the uh, to, 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 to the electronical system yeah. um, so so sometimes it feels like what what is this man doing it's doing it's not at all linked to music uh, but, you look great um, yeah. So I try, I try not to focus too much on that. And generally, it's, it's quite easy because we have, we have plenty to do on stage. And <laughs> so in other words, you were saying, I hadn't really thought of it until you brought it up. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, though. I think that it enhances the experience for the, for the audience goer to give them something to look at, that visual element, that close-up element, because it makes you feel like you're kind of, you know, there w- with the orchestra, and and it really... Um, helps people immerse themselves in the whole experience. I do think there's also a lot of people who enjoy being able to see the hands of the pianist. And mm-hmm. for those who aren't able to be on that particular side of the stage, it mm-hmm. gives them that chance to kind of see just the press, the digitation, and all the movement of the arpeggios. Ooh, going. fancy word. I know, huh? <laughs> press the digitation. Fr- <laughs> you get a little Thank applause you. for that. <laughs> Definitely, Giordano. Aren't you? You're also performing with Leonardo around the world, correct? Yes, yes. 
yes, we've had we've had concerts in, in different places, and uh, it, it is as you said before, it's always a treat. He's he's such a genuine musician, and and also a very fine chamber musician in the way that he uh, interacts very well with the with the various orchestras. Sometimes we have played the same concerto, uh, you know, one week. Uh, apart in two different cities with two different orchestras and it's it's very obvious to hear how he interacts with the, with the various orchestras as well as having of course his own uh, grip his own view of the concerto and that that I, I think is a very fine quality in a musician to be able to in a soloist to be able to interact and get inspiration uh, as he also gets from the wonderful musicians in Toledo so we're looking forward to that do you often find yourself, you know, you pair up with your favorites, or you have favorite pianists, violinists, that sort of thing? Are, are there people that you tend to work with over and over again? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you see, uh, as a conductor, um, especially after a couple of decades on, on the podium, it happens that you, you find yourself feeling free and inspired and making music by being with musicians where you have a good relationship, musical relationship. And this is, this is for orchestras as well as soloists or uh, instrumentalists, singers. And it is always interesting to meet new people, which of course we do regularly, meeting new orchestras and new soloists. But it is also wonderful to, uh, to, to, be part of a development, a joint development, musical development with colleagues, and that that I, I find is a great privilege. Yeah, I, I think it's worth kind of tracing the you know the long history that Giordano has for the Toledo Symphony, which unfortunately I didn't prepare before walking into this. But there's, I mean, it's been I think almost oh, almost a dozen years, and so many different concerts. The repertoire has ranged from all of these different pieces. Um, some we've done Christopher Rouse, we've done Strauss, we've done Respighi. Yeah. You know, wow, Rouse and Strauss, you made a rhyme. <laughs> that like was that. unintentional. You should do it. That's your program right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, rhyming composers, Bach and Block coming next next year. No. I, I get the. I get. You know, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> You'll get credit. Okay. Um, but I, I. But I think just the the sheer breadth of repertoire that we've been able to explore together, I think it speaks to the idea of when you. De- when you de- develop a really strong relationship between musicians, whether it's between a conductor and a pianist or a conductor mm-hmm. and an orchestra, you always want to explore that and push that push that further. So. Yeah, well, I was counting Toledo Symphony in that in that crowd of you know people that you are comfortable working with. So I you know I assume you have a very comfortable working relationship with our symphony here, uh, Giordano. Definitely, yeah. very definitely. Uh, it, it, it's always a pleasure. It's all, always inspiring. Uh, and also very, very inspiring to be on the podium at the Paris side with the audiences. So, mm-hmm. yes, uh, great. So we haven't yet talked about the Scottish Symphony, which is sort of the, the big symphonic centerpiece of this program, and there is a lot to talk about. You know, Mendelssohn, he, he, you've got the Italian Symphony, and you've got the Scottish Symphony uh, inspired by his journeys. You know, there are a lot of travelogues in music. 
Uh, this one inspired by a trip he took to Scotland, I guess, in the 1820s. Does anybody w- want to give a little background on this particular symphony? Kalindi, you're sitting here. You know, you're the program annotator. <laughs> and and uh, coming into this, I was scared to death. I was thinking, oh, I can't make any mistakes because oh, no. she'll, she'll immediately know. And, I will not. Uh, okay, well, then uh, that's great. You can come in. You're welcome to come back anytime. <laughs> Thank you. But the, who, who wants to talk about uh, just the genesis of the, the Scottish well, symphony? The, the Scottish symphony, I mean, a lot of people assume that it's about, you know, his, his trip through Scotland and of the countryside. But that's not necessarily the case, is it, Glendie? It is not. He was there on a trip with a friend, another composer, and um, he started there. He wrote, I don't know, I think the first mm-hmm. 20 bars or something, and then he put it away and he didn't write anymore on that for years and I think he said something in a letter about not being able to find his way back into the fog of Scotland and um, later he worked on it more later and in a a review following Schumann actually wrote a whole thing about how it was inspired by Italy because that's where he was when he wrote it and (laughs) wow it is actually really funny with Mendelssohn's symphonies there's just this I mean, you see, oh, this is his first symphony, his second symphony, his third symphony, his fourth symphony, his fifth symphony, and they're all mixed up. His fifth symphony is more, I think it's better to think of it as a second yeah. symphony. The third <laughs> symphony, definitely, um, either yeah. the Italian in some ways in terms well, of he like he worked how, on them at the yeah. same time, and he revised yeah. so many times, both yes. of them, that it's kind of hard to say this one was first. Or exactly. it's in chronological he numbered order. them or they were yeah. numbered for yeah. him, I guess. It's basically yeah. an Abbott and Costello uh, <laughs> joke. Exactly right. right. But it's interesting, you, you mentioned Kalindi, his letter where he's talking about not being able to get back into the haze or the fog of Scotland. <laughs> and some of his other writings from the time, he's you know, he called everything, he said, everything here looks so stern and robust. Mm-hmm which is an interesting pairing of words, stern and robust, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, half enveloped in a haze of smoke or fog. And I want to hear just the opening of the, the Scottish symphony. And you can sort of hear that. Uh, there's sort of a, a, a tragic highland quality to all of this. A castle on a hill enveloped by smoke and fog. He visited the palace at Holyrood and was talking about, again, in another letter home, talking about the history of that place, Queen Mary being crowned and... um, Wasn't that the inspiration for his little snippet of music that he he brought back with him? Giordano, you still there? I'm still here. I am just... (laughs) (laughs) No, well, you see, uh, I think often we we forget the fact that... uh, Felix Mendelssohn was uh, an incredibly active musician. Uh, although he only lived for 38 years, he has w- probably uh, had more importance to classical music and to orchestra than any other composer, I would say, honestly. Really? In the sense that, yeah, in the sense that the way that he has, first of all, established the whole... Um, the whole institution of a symphony orchestra uh, truly trained an orchestra which he did which he did in leipzig and working on on actually establishing the whole idea of an orchestra as a personal identity not necessarily linked to a composer playing his own music 
the way that he um, took the music of uh, of Bach and brought it back to light. Yeah, and all of his uh, strict way of understanding how we write, but also how we interpret and read the music of other composers, I think is very often understated. And there would not have been any uh, Wagner or Bruckner or Mahler or Richard Strauss without the way that the approach that Mendelssohn had. It was very different than the approach that uh, Beethoven had, which was very much linked to his own music mm-hmm. uh, and performing his own music. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a great, great admirer of Mendelssohn, also because I, I actually think he was probably the first real conductor. He's kind of the father of all of us, yeah. because he he was very interested in uh, interpreting, reading, and interpreting the music of other composers, and that that is that is really interesting. His own music is. Uh, uh, always very inspiring, and the fact that that he uh, revised all of his works so much is something that we also see from other composer uh, conductors like uh, Gustav Mahler, for instance. He also always revised the thing and, and revised other musicians' works. He revised other musicians' works. That's interesting. And Mahler, he he uh, instrumentated, he, he changed instrumentation in practically everything that he performed uh, of other composers because he saw here, like you know, if 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 Beethoven had had the chromatic possibilities of the horn today, he would have done this, or the timpani would have played this note. Or, right. So you're not that. planning that, to do that this time, are you? <laughs> no surprise. No, no, no. <laughs> we're going ore text for this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. the, the, I, I find this. this of course, we have this thing about the Scottish and the Italian symphony and, and Reformation and all that. There, Of course, there are themes somehow, but it is very absolute music. And this this, this symphony, the, the A minor symphony, it's really, really gorgeous. And especially the first movement, you just played the opening. Uh, the first movement is, is such incredible, strong music. Well, while we're on the subject of Scotland, I, I do have a little quiz. we got to do a quiz with uh, every one of these broadcasts. And, uh, Maestro, you're certainly welcome to participate. This is a, a, a Welcome to Scotland quiz, basically oh. just questions about <laughs> Scotland. I haven't traveled right? enough. <laughs> Bring up a little music in the background. That'll help us out. Now, when you think you know the answer, just go ahead and blurt it out. Which language is the official language of Scotland? Is it English? Is it Gaelic? Or is it Scots? A, B, or C? Let's go Scots. I'll go Gaelic. I'll go Gaelic. (laughs) Is it English? Wow. (laughs) I don't feel like I get a point for that. I don't think I get a point for well, that. Well, you get half a point because Gaelic was actually admitted as another official language on par with English in, in 2005. Oh, okay. But it was English. I was definitely that. thinking post-2005. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my context. So what is the official currency of Scotland? Is it the euro? Is it the pound sterling? Or is it the highland? Actually, we should be careful about what date this is, right? Yeah. <laughs> we are currently pre-Brexit. Okay. Yeah, but Scotland is not Brexit. Yeah. yeah. So, Euro, Sterling, or Highland? I'm going to go with the Euro. Oh. Pound Sterling. Pound Sterling. Yes. <laughs> Bravo. Giordano gets a point. Okay. 
All banknotes issued by the Bank of Scotland have a picture of a person on the front. Is it Rob Roy, Ivanhoe, or Sir Walter Scott? A, B, or C. Ivanhoe is fictional, right? So Sir Walter Scott? One for Merwin. <laughs> yeah, Walter Scott wrote Ivanhoe. Yes, and I Rob think it would Roy. be very difficult yeah. to do a picture of Ivanhoe. <laughs> <laughs> The national drink of Scotland is whiskey, which in Gaelic is ushka beha, which that's about as close as I can get. What does that phrase mean, ushka beha? Does it mean good health? Does it mean water of life? Or does it mean let's drink? Water of life. Water of life. Very good, yeah. Wow, I am not even playing. <laughs> water of life, like aquavita, yeah. right? Yeah. Or but I, I kind of feel like, you know, it's funny when the um, musicians are in the Toledo Symphony, like in the, the spelling bee, the symphony musicians always do really, really well with anything involving alcoholic beverages. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so what is Scotland's national animal? Is it the lion? Is it the red deer? Or is it the unicorn? It's the unicorn. Yes! Oh, wow. Wow. Calindy on the board. Yeah. Nice. It was one of those random facts that I absorbed and have never let go. Wonderful. (laughs) Just a couple more here. What is the most common surname in Scotland? Is it Scott, or is it Smith, or is it (laughs) McIntyre? Scott, Smith, or McIntyre. Most common surname. Or is it Bell and Compey? It's probably (laughs) Bell and Compey. Could be Smith. Oh, wait a minute. It's Smith. Bell and Compey gets another point. So far, Giordano and Merwin are tied, so here is the tiebreaker, if you can do it. Which of these is an actual old Scottish saying? Okay, is it, I'm fair puckled? Or is it, wits fur yeel no go by? Or is it, skinny malinky long legs? Or could it be all of the above or none of the above? He so rarely puts none of the above. I know. I feel like this I is feel a like trick. it's none of the none above. None of the above. Oh. oh. What do, what do you say, Giordano? We'll give Giordano a chance to win here. Probably all of probably all of the above. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. And I feel like that's a that's a, a fair summation of all of the quizzes that we ever have. <laughs> it, it's all of the above. I'm fair puckled means I'm short of breath. Wits for ye, no go by ye. What's meant to happen will happen. Sort of like case sarah sarah. Uh-huh. And the last one, skinny malinky long legs is, is what you say when you're talking about a tall, thin person. I, I wouldn't know any... Nobody's ever called me that. Skinny malinky long legs. <laughs> but if you know any tall, skinny people, that's what you call them. I will use that moving okay. forward. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> well, there is our welcome I to Scotland I feel personally quiz. attacked. <laughs> Well, now that we have Giordano on the line, I just want to give him the uh, the last word before uh, coming to Toledo. What do you want audiences to know and to, and to look out for and to maybe have their ears peeled for at this uh, concert, Giordano? First of all, of course, enjoying the the musical connection of of the pieces. I think I think the overall art of the evening is really great, and the drama and the symphony. Maybe if if um, if I had to give a little hint for a little quiz, a little Scottish quiz, would be an instrument that is it's not present on stage, but it's actually almost heard in the second movement of the symphony. There is a, a small uh, 
signal of a very particular, very characteristic Scottish instrument in the second movement. Are we supposed to guess? Is it the hecklephone? No. No, no I, you're supposed to come to the concert and listen for that. Okay. And, uh, and then and then call into the radio station and say, oh, yeah, I could hear the mm-mm. <laughs> Perfect. No. Okay. Well, we won't say what it is then. It'll be a mystery until they hear yes. what it is. That's great. Well, Giordano Bellincampi, we're looking forward to having you this weekend, and uh, thanks for joining us by phone from your home out Thank in Copenhagen. You. We're going to see you soon. The concert again is uh, this weekend, Friday and Saturday, April 5th and 6th, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Peristyle. Conductor Giordano Bellincampi with pianist Leonardo Colafelice performing the Piano Concerto Number no. 1 of Beethoven, also the Symphony Number no. 3, the Scottish Symphony of Felix Mendelssohn. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And remember, you can check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at toledosymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My thanks to Merwin Sue, Felicia Canny, Kalindi Bellock, and our guest conductor for this weekend, Giordano Bellancampi. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.